just kind of want to sit for a while, just rest in that. Um, it is good, it is good to be with you. Uh, it is good to be able to dig into the Word of God and for the Word of God to minister to us, for the, the songs to minister to our hearts, and we're each coming into this room with just a whole massive spectrum of things that we come in here with today, and we look into the Word of God for, for hope, we look into the Word of God for encouragement, we look into the Word of God sometimes, maybe we don't look into it for this, but we find challenge. We find pretty big challenges. And today is one of those passages where God is saying to each one of us to really to think through and consider where are we and what is the thing that we lack? What is our one thing? Um, this is uh, a story today that we'll look into. It's a familiar story probably for most of you about uh, someone we call the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler is a guy with really, I think, good intentions and a good heart, and he wants to grow. He wants something more, but he's afraid to take the steps. I, I think about this, and I brought this ladder, obviously, that you see here, and, you know, we think about our lives, and we think about what we want from it, and we want to go up the ladder, right? We want to go up, and we think about it in, in the sense of a lot of times you think climbing the ladder that has a sort of a negative of that's a person that just wants to get ahead of everyone else in this sort of bad way, right? But I want us to think about in our faith that we should be wanting to take steps closer, further, farther along. I mean, there's even a theological word for it we call sanctification, right? Of growing more holy, the Holy Spirit helping us to become more and more holy. I feel like a few of you are getting more and more nervous as I go higher and higher. But it's okay. Um, but I, I do think of, you know, you know I try to bring up my Christmas lights as often as I can. I don't have a picture today to show off. But I do, I was thinking about this, this ladder when I think about my um, adventures of setting up my Christmas lights, which is coming so soon and I'm so excited. And I can't wait to show pictures, you know, very soon with you of what this year's house looks like. Uh, if you don't know, I'm very into Christmas lights, if you don't know me. But... Um, and so is Calvary Church going to be as my vision is fully fulfilled here for Calvary. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, which by the way, we have a new event called the Christmas Tree Lighting coming in December 9th. Uh, but, uh, but when I'm setting up my lights, I am thinking about this whole thing where, you know, you, when you're setting up a strand that's kind of up, up high a little bit and you climb up and you can do like a little bit and then you have to climb down and move it over a little bit, climb back up again, and then you move it over, you know, and then you climb move it over. And what happens is, is as I keep moving along the way, what I, I've got, you know, some sidewalks some grass and brick and it's all over and I'll kind of do one of these, right? Like, ah, I just kind of wanted to, I really wanted to do a big crap fall here, but I'm a little too scared. But, um, <laughs> but it's like, you know, where, what happens is, is we don't think about when we're in this rush to hurry to get ahead, we're not thinking about the foundation upon which we place our ladder. How many of you are nervous? I like, I like the people that get nervous. It's so cute. Um, okay, so <laughs> now <clears throat> when, we're, when we're doing that, we don't think about, okay, what is the foundation my ladder is built upon? And I think what's going on with this guy that we're going to look at today, this rich young ruler, is that he was wanting to climb the steps. He was taking all the steps, 
but he didn't think about what was his ladder on. He just wanted to keep climbing. So let's, let's look into this. Okay, if you have your Bible, turn, please. If you don't have one, there's one right in front of you, and you probably have it on your phone or something. Okay, so Mark 10, 17. That's the rich young ruler story. This story is also in Matthew. It's also in Luke. It's part of how we... This passage won't even say that he's a ruler, but the one in Luke does. It talks about him being a ruler. This one we get rich and young. And so we put them all together. We find out a little bit more about this guy. Now, verse 17, it says, As he was setting out on a journey, they're talking about Jesus, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? All right, so this is part of why I think this guy's a, he's a good guy. He's not a bad guy, okay? He runs up to Jesus and kneels before him and asks him this question, good teacher, what do I have to do? How do I get this whole thing of eternal life? And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And I kind of picture Jesus doing one of these things, no one's good except God alone, and then, like, looks into the camera. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just this moment like, Gotcha. That's me. God alone. And he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he, the, the rich young ruler guy, says to Jesus, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Okay? So he's doing the stuff. I've kept the commandments. I've not murdered. You know, good job, buddy. I've not, you know, I've not stolen. I've not borne false witness. I've not done these things. I'm going up. I'm going up. But Jesus says, look, on your way up, you've forgotten something. It says, and he said to him, Jesus says, uh, or and now, verse 21, sorry, says, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. This word looking in the Greek, it actually means to gaze deeply into someone's eyes. That kind of looking. It's a very intense look. So he looks at him very deeply into his eyes. And then it says he felt a love for him. So everything Jesus is about to say, if you know some about the Bible, you know he's not going to like what he's going to hear. But it's coming from this sense of being seen and being loved. Jesus says this. So when we say it to you, right after we say it to him, feel the same love, okay? And hear these words for yourself with that same kind of love from God who sees you, knows you, loves you. He says, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. That's it, right? Like, one thing. It's a massive one thing. It's everything. He says, sell it all and follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. So this guy is, is saddened. It's actually this word for gloomy weather. He, he's, he's gloomy, he's distressed. It says he's actually shocked and appalled with what some of that word means. He's shocked and appalled, and then he grieves that this, is, that this has happened. And he walks away because he had a lot. He had a lot of money, and he didn't want to give it up. 
And we'll talk more about what that is for him. And then it says, Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. I want to read the, the last bit, but first, let's talk about this whole camel, eye of a needle thing, right? Camel, big old animal, ancient needles, kind of big eyes on those ones, kind of smaller ones on those ones, but camel bigger than this, right? Like, camel big, eye of needle small. That's the point. There's some people that have said, well, there was this gate called the Joppa Gate, and within the Joppa Gate in the old city of Jerusalem, there was a smaller gate that was called the Eye of the Needle in those times. FYI, if you've heard that, that's been like thoroughly debunked. People just kind of made that up. That's not a thing. But it seems like kind of makes sense for people to want to make up something to say, well, it's like kind of hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of God, but not impossible, right? Like it's got to be fine. It's got to be cool for, for us to be rich. This is uh, the inside of this Jaffa gate looking out through what was thought of as the eye of the needle in an old picture. But really, that's not the point, okay? I think people have tried to kind of say, well, I want to lessen this. I want to lessen the impact of this passage. And Jesus is basically, what he's doing with this, he's just using hyperbole to make a point. It's hard. It's impossible to get that big old camel through that little eye of a needle. But with me, anything's possible. That's the part that you got to get. With me, anything's possible. doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. If you got me, stop focusing in on the whole rich thing. Focus on me. Let's just finish the passage here. A few more verses. 28. It says, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we've left everything and followed you. And it's true, really. Peter and his disciples, I mean, they left their families, their homes, their jobs. They've left everything. And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. Jesus says, for my sake and for my mission's sake, for my purpose's sake, the good news of Jesus being proclaimed. If you've given up everything for that, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms. So yeah, you're going to get, you're going to have reward even now, but check this out, along with persecutions. <laughs> and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. All right, so let's think about this. What's your one thing? This guy, this rich young ruler, his one thing is money, right? His one thing was money, his possessions, it was all his stuff, it was his status, it was his, his authority, his, his sense of being a ruler, who he was. That was his one thing, and that one thing that he lacked, he could not give up. 
He could not give that up to be a follower of Jesus. I want to ask you today, what's your one thing? Can you give up that one thing? Now, your one thing might not be money or things like it was for this guy. (laughs) But my guess is, even if you got some other one thing that you just thought of, it's also money. Okay? You got just kind of put like money here and then whatever else you just kind of thought of. They're both going to be your one thing. It's going to be your two things. Because I think for most of us, money is a huge one thing. A thing that we are afraid of giving up. We're afraid of letting that go. And we're afraid of what will happen to us. Um, Here's the thing with this guy. Remember that about, we talked about this, about 90% of people in this society didn't have land, didn't have property, didn't have servants, didn't have a position or a a rank of some sort in society. Their whole thing was living, just working, uh, and then getting enough to eat or take care of yourself for that day, that sort of hand-to-mouth existence. Now, this guy, though, he's part of the 10%. He's a ruler. He's got this position. And for him to give up all of his stuff would make him like everybody else. For him to give up his property, his possessions, and follow Jesus would make him part of the 90%. He'd have no more status. He'd have no more kingdom of his own. And that's exactly where Jesus wants him to be. Because, you see, it's hardest to enter God's kingdom when you've built your own kingdom. You get that? It's harder, it's hardest to enter God's kingdom when you've climbed up the steps of the ladder yourself. This guy, I mean, this guy was born about this high on the ladder, okay? He's got his inheritance. This is where he starts, and he thinks because he took a step to here that somehow, like, everybody should listen to him and follow him, you know, that he's got it all together. He's done it so well. And Jesus says, no, 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 give all that up, start here again, figure out what your foundation is, and then begin to take those steps. That's where you've got it wrong, because you've built your own kingdom. I want you to follow me in my kingdom. And that's where you've got to get. That's where you have to get to start. So think again for you, what is your one thing? What do you need to give up to be able to start at that place, to start at that spot. And you have to sort of contrast this back to last week's message. And if you were here, what we talked about, if you remember, it was about little kids, that we have to be like a child to enter the kingdom of God. And it's this amazing parallel between these kids who had no status, these kids who had no way that they could earn it themselves, and then the very next passage is all about this guy who has authority, status, money, possessions, all of this. He's young. He's got his whole life ahead of him. And, and Jesus says, that guy doesn't have it. That guy's got it wrong. These little kids that you think of as worthless, they've got it right. And so it's, it's just this amazing contrast. And I would, uh, we don't know how, like, how much longer this is, like verse 17 to, from verse 16 with the kids, but part of me wonders if this guy has seen the way Jesus talked about these kids and said, be like them, and then what he calls him to do, and he thinks, no, I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's got it all together. He seems like he's got it all together to the point that people even say, who can be saved 
if this guy can't be, right? Who can be saved? This guy's the one that's rich. These people are the ones who tell us what to do. These are the people that have it all together. And he's even a pretty religious guy. I've watched him do all this good stuff. He's been following the commandments. If he can't be saved, who can? That's how much, like, how high they held people like this rich young ruler. That they thought, I don't even know how you could be saved if you can't be like this guy. Uh, now, think about this, this guy. Think about your one thing. And then I want you then to think about... Um, this video I'm going to show you is about kids and their response when they do this whole Jimmy Kimmel evil video thing of taking their Halloween, Halloween candy. Parents that trick their kids and tell them, we ate all your Halloween candy, and then you get to watch what happens. It's just a short little couple, couple bits of it, but think about you and giving up your one thing. Reading last night? Yeah. Guess what? Mommy and Daddy got so hungry, we ate all of it. saying go sell all you possess and give to the poor now that's you that's me okay that's the rich young ruler and our response as we were like no I don't want to do that I don't want to have that that's not fair and, <laughs> and, and so I guess in this silly way that I get where this is hard this is a hard thing for us to actually come to grips with whatever is the thing that is holding us back the thing that we're holding back from God is the thing that's so hard for us to give up. And that's exactly, though, why Jesus is asking him to give it up, because he's building his kingdom on that instead of on Christ, right? It's this sense of dependence is not there. Um, if you have your, your outline in your bulletin, uh, one interesting thing here, too, uh, that you can look at in the back is in this passage, Jesus says, one thing you lack, right? One thing you lack, this. Go sell everything and give to the poor. In uh, the book of Luke, we could see another one thing that's a little more on the positive side, where you've got the story of Mary and Martha. And it's this story where uh, Martha is this, this person that's a, she's task-oriented, she's a doer, she's getting everything done, she's cooking and cleaning and doing all the work. And then Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. She's not helping with the work as all Martha sees, but she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, looking at him and listening to him. And then Martha complains, and Jesus says this. It's on the top of the back. One thing is necessary. Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Okay, so there's this one thing you lack, this, but here's the one thing that's necessary to sit at the feet of Jesus and look at him and listen to him. Psalm 27, 4 says, one thing I have asked. Here's the one thing I ask of you, God, 
that I shall seek, the one thing I'll seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. That's the one thing I would ask, that I could spend that eternity with you, meditating upon you, Lord. And you can read the rest, but just interesting to see these one things in the Bible. What are these one things that, that God has for us? One thing you lack, go sell everything that you've got. You lack this thing that's holding you back from me. One thing is necessary. Now, here's the deal. If you can give up that one thing, you will gain everything. If you can give up that one thing, you will gain everything. You look again into that, those last few verses where Peter says, we did give up everything. And, you know, a lot of times Peter or one of the disciples will say something like that. We did. We gave up everything. And Jesus will be like, you're still getting it wrong, dummy. You know, that kind of like one of these lines in there where it's like, <laughs> they're these like stubborn kind of hard-headed guys. And basically Jesus in this is like, you're right. You've given up everything. And people who will give up everything will gain everything. But guess what? You still are actually though, forgetting one part of this. There will come persecutions with this. But you will gain. You will gain. Now, sometimes we don't gain houses or family or brothers or mothers and all of that in the way that we think that we will. Often that, you know, we have to give up certain things in our following of Jesus that are very painful and are hard to give up. Like if this, if Jesus said to this guy, I mean, if he said to him, you have to go and leave your family and follow me which he really was in some way. He's, he said this to other people, and he said, basically act as if your family was dead and follow me, because that's what is most important, is just come, follow me. And now, the thing is, he says, you will gain a family. We might lose our earthly family, but we will gain a family of other followers of Jesus that are with us. See, these are hard truths and hard commands and even rewards that seem hard. But the thing to remember is that all of this, even the reward, it's on God's terms. It's not on the man's terms. It's not on our terms. The reward will be there. We'll have eternal life. We'll have reward of, of even in this age that we're in now. However, it's not going to be the way we define it or what, like, we don't make some deal with God where we get what we want. There's this uh, interesting, like, pretty incredible story of this, of this man named Nick Winston, or Winston, that was uh, a man who, back in World War II, he went and ended up, he went and saved, he's from England, he went and saved 664 children who were going to be killed in the Holocaust. And he saved these kids and made all these plans and ways for them to be able to get out. But then he never got to meet any of those kids. He never got to see those kids or know those kids. And they did this thing. This was like in the late 80s. So it was maybe like 40 years later plus, right? Where they did this video in England. And maybe you've even kind of seen this like go viral around. But where, um, well, I'll let you watch it. It's a little bit sort of cute and awkward. But um, it's pretty amazing what happens with this guy. I became part of this program that I didn't know. I was going to meet for the first time the children that I brought over so many years before. Managed to save 664 children. This is his scrapbook. 
There are all kinds of fascinating pictures in it. Perhaps you can see, this is a picture of Nicholas Winton himself with one of the children he rescued. If you look at the very back of this scrapbook, fascinating things in it, all the letters. But back here is the list of all the children. This is Vera Diamond, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. I wore this around my neck, and this is the actual purse that we were given to come to England, and uh, another of the children that you saved. Can I ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? This guy had never seen any of these people, and they just, uh, that whole room was just full of these kids who he'd saved, who are now in their 40s or 50s. And uh, it's just this amazing thing, I think, where we don't know, when I talk about reward, and we talk about a family that you'll have, this man went and took this risk to help rescue all of these kids, and decades and decades go by and he doesn't have a moment like that but then comes this incredible moment where there is it's a great cloud of witnesses right around him that are surrounding him that are just that are his his reward right that's that's the reward the reward is is that kind of family the reward is that kind of of moment i think that the reward doesn't mean we get, we give up money and we get more money, right? That's, I mean, that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about. But it is, the reward can often be this beautiful fruit of a life of following Jesus and committing to him. And, you know, even Jesus had issues with his, his own family, kind of trying to get him to, like, not take as many risks and to not be, you know, so all out and thought he was kind of crazy and he says like hey if you hold me back i've got a whole nother family here this isn't this isn't what my family is about my family is my father in heaven and so sometimes we are called to to sacrifice and surrender but often 
often, all the time, God is going to take that and use that, and then that will be this incredible reward. And so what I want to ask you then here today is, thinking about this ladder and thinking about your foundation, that you are wanting, in this good way, maybe like that rich young ruler, you want to take steps towards God and you want to grow in the way that God wants you to grow. But you're trying to think about what is, what, what am I placing my ladder upon and how can I do that well? And I encourage you, look in this. Look on the bottom on the response part in your bulletin. And we talk about some things that it could be and some ways that you can respond to this. And I want you to think about your life in a serious, serious way. Think about what it is for you. And to give that thing up. Give that over to the Lord. And if giving it up all the way right now seems impossible or you don't even know how to get your head around that, I'm asking you to say, okay, well, let me do one thing this week to practice giving this up to help me. If it's money, if your thing is money, it genuinely is money like this guy, give a large amount to further the good news. And again, like how Jesus says, this is about furthering the gospel, he says. You give it up for the gospel's sake, for Christ's sake, not just even for yourself, not just to feel better about it, but you give it up for that. If it's, maybe it's your status, maybe it's how you, you feel about yourself. Do something you think is below your status for the gospel. If it's your popularity, if it's something about how good you look, give up social media or post on social media about your faith when you've been too scared to actually do something about that before. If it's your education or your intelligence, give up needing to be the smartest person in the room and practice silence this week. If it's a talent, practice using that for Jesus rather than only for yourself. If it's your family, serve others as a family rather than focusing on each other. If it's how valuable your time is, then use your time to serve God and his mission. And it goes on. And I just ask you to, to look at this and consider and pray through, God, what is the thing that's messing up my foundation that you ask me to remove? You ask me to get rid of so that I can stand on that firm foundation and then continue to move towards you, God. Can you give up your one thing? Remember. The Holy Spirit, the very Holy Spirit of God dwells within you, and it is His Spirit that will give you the strength to give that thing up. You cannot do that on your own. The point is to be dependent like a, like a child and to cry out for the Spirit of God to help you to be able to give that up. But please, do not continue to live your life with that one thing if you sense the voice of God telling you to give that up. Or you're basically the rich young ruler walking away grieving because you have so much. Consider what God has for you today. As I said, this is a hard challenge. It's a hard topic. And it's different for each one of us. But God has something more for you. He has reward for you that's beautiful and beyond your, like, anything that you can think of or dream up. So trust in him like a kid and not like this rich young ruler. So we have a time now to step into worship, to continue to sing, to take, our, uh, to take communion, to be able to remember what Jesus has done. On the back of your bulletin, we kind of explain all of this stuff. You can come to the prayer points. You can receive prayer. 
for this if you need help in that or for anything else. I just encourage you then, take that sheet, take that paper, that space there, write down what it is that you think your one thing is. Make it real. Make it tangible. Remind yourself to do something this week to practice giving that up, to be fully dependent on Jesus for all things. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we look to you, God. We look to you. And Lord, thank you for... Lord, thank you for the passages that are easy, and thank you for the passages that are hard. And Lord, we know this one is, is kind of a both one. It's really hard. It's a hard challenge. But Lord, it's so beautiful the way that you do reward us, even though we aren't to do things for it, God, and we know that. But you are a God who gives good gifts to his kids. And so thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. And I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be able to leave that thing that we lack, that thing that holds us back, and to be able to follow you fully with all of our lives. Lord, reveal that to us here in this moment now, and may our foundation be on you.